Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be joined by Jeff and Jonathan from Nature's Experts. Jeff, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us. So happy to be here. Thank you, Seth. Thanks, Seth. Uh, we're excited to have you. So you are both serial entrepreneurs with quite a bit of experience and companies under your belt. Um, why, why don't you tell our listeners and our viewers what Nature's Experts is, and let's go through the list a little bit of all the different really cool stuff you're up to. I think the president should do that. That's Jonathan. Well, I think the best way to start off by ever educating anybody about our companies is really to educate them about Jeff and myself. So I am 35. My brother, Jeff, is 53. Three. It's, your, it's your age inverted. <laughs> and uh, we actually met for the first time about 15 years ago. We have the same dad and a different mom. And we really started this really aggressive growth journey together. And when I first met, uh, my brother, Jeff, he was doing around four and a half million dollars a year in business. And we have now grown to do about 25 million. So it has definitely been something where we definitely have really balanced each other out <clears throat> and growth and development strategies and perspective and really has been a yin and yang kind of relationship. So to describe all of our different companies, it is, we really are vertically integrated and diversified in the landscaping botanical field. So we have a interior plant maintenance fertilization company where we take care of interior plants in hotels, malls, and shopping centers. We also have a pest control company. We have a tree company and we have three landscaping companies. Uh, the landscaping companies though operate in different categories. So in South Florida here, there is an area called Palm Beach Island. So we have two of our landscaping companies that exclusively work on the island. Our other landscaping company, Diaz Brothers, works all throughout South Florida from Jupiter all the way down to Miami. And our tree company, Sherlock Tree Company, works same area from Jupiter to Miami. We also travel throughout the state of Florida too, helping other customers as well. That is absolutely incredible. And I love that obviously you've expanded and grown um, now all you need is the manufacturing companies that make the device, the, the, the equipment that you use. Well, uh, it's funny that you say that because oh you know, we, we get approached for acquisitions once in a while. And sometimes we also go after acquisitions and we actually, uh, it was pretty close to us purchasing, 
uh, a company that sells, you know, all kinds of supplies within our particular space. And we really, Jonathan had the idea that if we were going to purchase them, which by the way, we're happy we didn't, but it was interesting because of course, Jonathan's brain was like going crazy because he's so unbelievable at operations and just all different things. He's like, he's like a coach and sees things like a coach says, sees on a field and making plays and everything. And uh, he wanted to, uh, what brand was it that you wanted to, was it steel? The steel brand that you wanted to have like us as like a hub. Where oh, we so were... another another one of our strategies to continue to become more vertically integrated is, you know, we obviously purchase a lot of equipment. Anyone in our particular industry would know that it has gone up significantly this year. So, you know, to continue to streamline our process, we have hundreds of pieces of equipment that have to be serviced and we purchase just the same amount of equipment on a yearly basis. So another one of our strategies moving forward is we probably will have a small engine repair shop and, you know, sell these different tools and such that we need internally. And it's kind of like you could buy a business or start a business and we already have our own internal big customer in it. We just would have been able to be that particular hub and, uh, you know, wholesaler for any company here in South Florida was what his idea was with that. Yeah, I love it because then obviously you can end up supplying all of the other people who compete in your space and then they're kind of dependent on you as well. Exactly, right. Um, Jeff, what was your first company? It was called Jim Threckle Florist and Foliage. And it was was an assemblance of flower shops. There was actually like seven of them at one time. Um, And then over the years, um, what happened was there, there are so many different things. If you're someone that grasps the concept of multiple streams of revenue. Uh, And that's what I've always been like for me. That's always sort of come naturally to me. Uh, I wanted to try to see what stuff feeds off of that, what sort of services feed off of that. So that's what I did. And we'd sub out a lot of different work. So not only did I own and handle all those flower shops, but there were services that we provided with me being the salesperson. And I would sell all of these other services because if I'd be in a particular with a particular client, I would see the need for these other things and say, hey, we can do this too. I can be a part of it. I can manage it for you. And that's what we did. Interesting thing that Jonathan and I did together, I did that by myself. And then Jonathan joined me. And as he saw what we did, uh, him and I wanted to buy some companies together. Um, Jonathan never wanted to uh, take more money from me than, uh, than he feels like he should. I, of course, wanted to always uh, do anything for him. And being the way that he is, I knew that he wouldn't take more money. And so we had to think of how we were going to, like John said, you know, vertically grow everything so that he can make a life for himself and uh, utilize all of his skills to the best of his ability. And so we started to look around to try to buy some companies in our field. And the interesting part of it was we wanted to look for some companies where there were certain reasons, but one of them was we had all of this business to give because we subbed out all of that business. So the many business that we bought immediately got tons of business from our already existing business because we just gave it to other companies that we didn't own. So it really fit right in. And that was a landscape company that we bought first. Actually, no, we bought, we bought Sherlock Tree Company first, but the, really the largest amount of business uh, came from the landscape company, Dias Brothers. Jonathan, where did your operational expertise come from? Were you working in the field, in business before you met Jeff? So that's a good question. I think, you know, something that everyone really needs to understand is that there's all different types of partnerships. 
And having a part, you know, I don't think me and Jeff went into working together really realizing that it is a likelihood to have better success because of our different core things that we're good at. And I think a lot of people just realize like, oh, I like this person. I like this person. You know, we should start a business together. So I think luckily for me and my brother that we really complement each other in our different like skills, our, our primary functions that we work, you know, right now on a day-to-day basis, you know, as you're scaling, you have to do everything. When you get to a certain point, you need to start doing more of what you're really best at and then hiring everyone else to do the things that you're not as good at. So, you know, me coming into the business, um, I was 21 years old. I'm 35 right now. I'll be 36. And, you know, I came into it knowing nothing and just wanting to learn and do everything. You know, my experience when I was younger was I always wanted to be looked at like I was somebody that I could be counted on and I could do anything. So I didn't have experience in a flower shop, didn't have experience in the landscaping company. I had experience with restaurants and that's all I, that's what I had. So for my very first job when I was in eighth grade, I was a host and I made my way up to be a server. And then I made my way to be... um in the kitchen and I would work every single holiday and I'd want to be able to get my overtime when I was making my 575 per hour. You know, you want to be able to make that, you know, double whenever you can, because it's such a low amount of money. Um, And from there, I went to another restaurant called the melting pot and I opened up the restaurant and I felt a really good sense of pride about doing that and working my way from, you know, just being someone who washed dishes, put together salads to being like the actual manager there uh, until I went to college um, where I worked at a bar and I'm in the bar. I, the thing is I did the exact same thing again. I went from being a doorman to being somebody who ran the kitchen, but then I actually helped run the business and really became an integral part of the business. So I just, you know, from a very young age, I always wanted to, I gravitated towards being somebody of leadership and integrity and wanting to be trusted and not just somebody who just wants to come in and get a paycheck. It was never any of my attentions it was never my intention ever that I just wanted to come in and get paid or I needed to make more money for no reason. I always wanted to make more money. I wanted to work hard, prove myself. And then as I proved myself, you make more money and it doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. So I had that really beaten into my brain for a very long time. You work hard, you find the right job, of course, the right company, the right partner, and it all works out but you have to be willing to put in the hard work day in, day out. So meeting my brother, Jeff, and moving here when I was 21, I didn't really have business experience. So I come here to South Florida from Missouri and uh, start processing flowers, which is cutting flowers, removing the leaves from them, sweeping the floors, taking the trash out, all that stuff. And then my brother would um, occasionally bring me in on these different meetings in the office with people that I, you know, I never really had that perspective going on different sales calls, you know, then, you know, that, that was maybe the first year of business together. I take issue with the occasionally. Every day. Literally every day. (laughs) And part of the reason I did it every day was because we literally wanted to just be like hanging out with each other. And if he was back there cutting flowers and all that stuff, we weren't hanging out with each other. Keep, keep in mind, I didn't really like that because I felt like I wasn't doing what my part was to you provide, didn't like, you didn't provide like the, value. You didn't like which part? So love spending time with my brother. I didn't feel good getting paid 
when I wasn't providing the value to the company. Little did I know, and I really never learned when I was younger, is that there's so many other ways that you can provide value to a company. It could be from an idea. It could be, be, be just by being around that person. It just adds a whole different mentality to it. You right. know, you're just by me sitting next to Jeff and saying, Hey, why is, why are you doing it this way versus that day, that way? That's value. Me saying to Jeff, Hey, let's go. I'll drive the car. Let's go down to Miami and you get out of the car. You get the business card, um, from the, uh, uh, the front desk or whatever, and we'll send out an email with, you know, what we do and try to get their business. And like just all these little things that actually seamlessly to somebody who's a worker, someone who's used to just coming in, providing a job, which was you, which was me, you re I realized, you know, it took a couple of years for me to realize there actually is a lot more value in it than you think, you know, you're not specifically, you know, valued by your time spent when you clock in, when you clock out, it's, how you price a job, how you look at a customer, how you solve problems, how you save money, how you strategize and organize things. There's just other ways to be able to provide value that it really did take me a few years to really get comfortable with that, you know, as we were moving forward, but it was really a valuable lesson that I learned. Um, I wish I would have learned sooner because I really would have looked at things a lot differently throughout my, you know, career. But Absolutely. There, was, now, there now. was no one to teach him. Well, Jeff, that brings up an interesting point because Jonathan talked about the partnership. There's obviously many, many statistics on the number of partnerships that don't succeed, but yours has. And you have a more interesting dynamic than just, hey, we were both working at the same business. We decided to buy out the boss together. We decided we could, we didn't like the boss. Let's go start our own company competing. Right. Your partners, your brother, you've got a brother dynamic, a family dynamic, a friend dynamic. How do you walk that line between right now we're business partners, but now we're brothers, but now we're friends? How do you how do you juggle all of that? How do you make sure that one dynamic that may not be going well that day doesn't interfere with something else? Is a great question. And that is something that we've talked about. This is my answer. And this is exactly what I have told John. Okay. The least of what he is to me is my brother. And by the way, that's a lot. Okay. Because I love that we're brothers, but he started out before saying that we have these differences and that's, what's the most important thing. And that's how he looks at it, which is fine. Um, and that's what, you know, is so strong about, you know, we're able to run these businesses because we have these different things to me, it's the similarities and the, it's the same things that we have. That is why it's successful because we put each other first, no matter what is going on. Even if sometimes we're bickering, we never lose sight of what we feel and know about the other one. Because all those little ridiculous things that go on, one of us gets hurt feelings, <clears throat> one of us does this, does that, pisses each other off. It really, at the end of the day, it literally doesn't matter because this is the person who I have been through unbelievable, unsurmountable things going on, ups and downs with business. And he has been through it with me. And he, before any of it was his money and he has money now, 
Um, and he's done very well. But before he did, he literally looked at my money like it was his money and not in the sense where he was abusive. It was in the sense where he was overly protective. And it wasn't an act, it was natural. And it was um, instinctual for him. And I mean, I could, I could talk about this for hours because I think that there's lessons to be learned because it's so unusual and so unique because everyone is funny about money. You bring up brothers, you bring up families, you bring up just partnerships. You know, it's unheard of almost that you can really just get, go through them unscathed. Neither of us has any, we don't have any war wounds from each other and we never will. Like, I know that is a guarantee. Can you not say, you know, that is a guarantee? I completely agree. It's one of those things where, you know, I, I think it comes from just the, the lack of different opportunities that I had when I was a kid that I really respected every opportunity that I got and like really was like just really just meant a lot to me to be able to get the opportunity. Um, but, you know, that's really it's it's great because it served me. It served me well to have that kind of emotional connection to to it but it also makes you think to yourself that you're a lesser than kind of person also too. So I think, you know, from a financial aspect and how I look at my brother, I definitely feel that way. It's not, I want to add to his life. You know, he came into this relationship with X amount of net worth, X amount of dollars that he was making. And you know what? That's awesome. I want him to have that. And I want us to double and quadruple that, but he still gets that. I'm not taking away from that piece of the pie or whatever. I'm just adding to it is what I wanted. But I think that, you know, it's, it's interesting how, you know, maybe I would have thought differently or been in more of a mentally capable area to help more if I would have had a little bit more of an open mind of how you look at value and money and opportunities and all of these different things where I think that, you know, now it's a little bit more popular. It seems like at least to me, about you know the entrepreneurial journey and how to go out there and make your own money. And I think through technology, it definitely has added those different things where I think it opens up people's minds. But for me, 10 years ago, when you know uh, uh, I was in this particular position, it just, I wasn't there. I didn't get the right kind of mentorship. I didn't have my dad around to really help. Oh, before 10 years, you mean, we've, we've been in each other's lives for 15. So you mean previous well, four, 15, 15 years. Yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just want to make sure so people understand, because they'll be like, what do you mean? Yeah, you so both talked about the ups and the downs. Um, and you've grown your business dramatically, even through a pandemic. How have you pulled that off? We took a big risk, frankly. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, no one really knew what was going to happen. And that's when we bought Coastal Gardens Landscape Professionals. And at that time we were negotiating with him and we had to like, you know, shit or get off the pot. Like, are you going to buy it or not? The due diligence is up. What are you doing? And we had a conversation. It was literally in the pandemic. And we said to each other, because the beginning of the pandemic, no one knew that it was going to be like crazy, unbelievable for these essential businesses, quote, end quote. Um, and we obviously were an essential business because of landscaping. It was outside and we didn't know any of that yet. So we did take a risk buying it because at the time, the mindset of everybody was don't do anything. Everything's yeah. stopping down. Everything is closing down. All, all public places, restaurants, shopping centers, office buildings, we're going to close. You know, no one's going there anymore. And uh, businesses grinding to a halt. And we, uh, we had our own way of thinking about it and we moved forward with it. 
it was a very smart decision, but it's something that we, that we did. That's how we dealt with it. You know, we haven't actually been smart business buyers, actually, believe it or not. We are not. We are not nitty-gritty, hard-nosed, savvy business buyers. Absolutely not one of our qualities. So the thing is, the only way you can make up for that is with smarts. And it is to have an overall strategic plan for where you want to go and how you can get there. And I think that that's where we've made up with it. Because I would have to say, every single, well, except for one, uh, except for the tree company, every single business has really been more important based upon strategic than it has been actually the dollars and cents. And I think that that's really where our courage has come from over the years is it actually isn't from, you know, a person selling their business wants to get the most. They feel like they deserve it. They've earned it. They're, emo they're emotionally years. connected. Absolutely. They're yeah. emotionally connected. And the thing is, that's great. But unfortunately, when you're selling a small size business that does one, two, three, four, you know, million dollars a year, whatever, people have high aspirations. And it depends where you hit them on the cycle of, you know, has it been in it for sale for six months, six days, six weeks? This is all important information. And, uh, you know, nothing is ever what it seems. It's never, ever, ever what it seems. But the thing is, is that the opportunity and how it can strategically help grow and move your business forward, it, it is always very clear, very, very clear of what direction it can bring you moving forward. As far as the dollars and cents or whatever, it is a risk. It's complete risk from the very beginning. And the most important thing that I've realized, because the last acquisition that we purchased really has not been um, you know, fruitful for us, is that there has to be more opportunity associated with the purchase than the purchase. So what I mean by that- You should repeat that. So people, because someone yeah, listening- That's a writer downer. Yeah, that's a writer down. That was very good. <laughs> uh, so what we learned in this last acquisition is that we purchased a business that was close to and had a similar clientele as one of our other businesses. And we know how to- In the to, same area. In the same, same area. area. And we know how to get new business. We know how to service our customers. We know how to grow companies. We know how to shed dead weight. We can do all those different things. And you have to do that. You have to shed any, any business you buy, you have to shed dead weight. It's just part of it. There's going to be a certain portion of customers that just aren't your kind of customers that you want to move forward. And you have to get rid of that. And then there's ultimately the direction moving forward that is your opportunity. And your opportunity starts at zero. You can, like for us, for landscaping, it's literally everybody. Everyone is your customer. So find what customers that you want and go after more of those like that. And you have an infinite, infinite amount of time to get there. And um, this last purchase that we made, it was in a similar territory, similar customer base. And, uh, you know, we felt that purchasing a business that was in the same area, we're buying the competition and we're buying more accounts. But guess what? We don't have any competitive advantage now because we're already in the territory. So when buying this business particularly or whatever, you know, the financials haven't really made sense. The um, customers really haven't made sense. And it's really been very difficult. And, you know, there really isn't a silver lining. I would use the word torturous. <laughs> yeah. It really isn't a silver lining for the opportunity because the opportunity is the same opportunity that we had for the other company that was in that same territory. So we really learned a very valuable lesson 
um, through this is that you have to have a plan. You have to stick to your plan as far as what you're trying to do and grow, but you have to make sure that the equal, there needs to be an, ex, there needs to be an exponentially large, larger opportunity past the company versus what it currently provides. And if, it, if you're already in the same niche, how does it provide a new value? So one company that did fit the build is we purchased Sherlock Tree Company in 2013. It was a very small tree company, started with four people. And including the owner. Inclu- <laughs> including the time, me. Yeah. No, um, no, no inclu- when we bought it, it was four people, including that owner. Yeah. yeah. So um, you know, after owning that business for a couple of years, we actually purchased another tree company. This tree company did large HOAs. We currently did zero HOAs. So the thing is in South Florida here specifically, most of Palm Beach County is large HOAs. We did zero of them back then. So, you know, there was an opportunity that we could get into a market that we wouldn't have normally been able to get into because it really is a referral-based client. And you have to have a certain level of trust when you're doing jobs that are for 30, 40, 50, $100,000. Right. You can't just be like, oh, hey, we have four people. We can, you know, trim your trees. Yeah. It doesn't really work that way. Right. So, you got an absolutely fascinating journey. I mean, uh, we will definitely have you back um, to talk more because we don't have enough time. I mean, you've got, you've created a emotionally, spiritually, and financially profitable family partnership. Yeah. Which is so incredibly rare. And the attitudes and the beliefs that you have brought to it have allowed it are the reason why it thrives and why you can do business with each other every day and not end up one of the statistics is incredible. I'm certain in all of the businesses you've acquired, I mean, Jonathan's already alluded to some very valuable marketing lessons. I'm sure there's a whole lot more. We could talk about management and operations. Um, For our folks watching and listening who want to learn more about the two of you, um, where should we send them? And then you've obviously got a podcast that's going uh, coming soon. Um, talk a little bit about both of those before we wrap up. So we are excited about doing the podcast. It's something that, you know, we wanted yeah. to provide a new perspective on podcasts. So a lot of times people ask like the general questions and everyone kind of skips from where they started to where they ended. But the thing is that, that you can actually help people the most is everything in between. Well, that's so why the have- podcast is named Cultivating Success. That's right. Because it's cultivated. That's right. You know? So, you know, we really want like to- Like a garden, cultivated. Exactly. <laughs> so we really want to get into really the more of the specifics of the things that we have done right, done wrong from people that have- Because we've done grown, it all. Yeah, we've grown, done it. scaled, and acquired companies. And it's not really about talking about the first day. It's not really talking about how it is right now. It's how we're also moving forward too. So there's the future- And then there's how we really got here at different points. So we're really excited to share that with everyone on the Cultivating Success podcast. And as far as if they want to reach out to Jeff or myself, please go to naturesexperts.com and you can email us through there. We're happy to answer any of you guys' questions. I also want to say one other thing, Seth. Um, So to cultivate success and to have success like we've had, there are some failures and some missteps. It's impossible for anyone that is successful and on a way to being more and more successful for them to have not stepped in shit once in a while. Absolutely. Success is made in a very messy kitchen. That's right. I like that. That should be written down also by people out there. 
Awesome. Well, we're going to have you back because I'm sure we'll, our next episode will have an equal number of writer downers. Jeff, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Seth. Thanks, Seth. Everybody, thank you for watching or listening. We will talk to you or see you next time. And make sure you go check out um, the Cultivating Success podcast. The audio will be on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Pandora, Amazon, Audible, and the video will be on YouTube. See you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>